0: Uh, Back then, they uh, uh, slaughtered their own hogs, so the meat tasted different. And because they slaughtered the hogs, they didn't corn feed them. So it was a whole different flavor, but it was good.
1: I'm Robin Sussingham, and this is The Zest. Citrus, seafood, Spanish flavor, and Southern charm, we're all about food in Florida. What comes to mind when you think about original Florida cracker cooking? If you're thinking biscuits and gravy, chess pie and dumplings, you're on the right track. Support for the Zest Podcast comes from Seitenbacher brand natural foods like muesli cereals, oils, oatmeal, energy bars, gluten free fruit gummies for the kids, organic coffee, and more. Available in supermarkets, health food stores, or online at (music) Seitenbacher.com. Cracker cooking just might be the true Florida cuisine. That's what cookbook author Joy Harris believes, and she's pretty convincing. She's a sixth-generation Floridian, and her new book celebrates her ancestors' cooking. Some of that was done in a panhandle cabin with no electricity. Our contributor, Janet Keeler, talks with Joy about the roots of Florida cooking and about her book, The Florida Cracker Cookbook, Recipes and Stories from Cabin to Condo.
0: What's a Florida Cracker? The Georgia Cracker. They were poor whites. They were so poor that they had to take their corn home. They couldn't take it to the mill to have it cracked, so they cracked it themselves with a hand mill at home. The term cracker goes back to a Shakespeare play in the 1500s, and it uh, refers to it as someone that's a wise crack or a smart aleck. And so after that, in, the Scotch-Irish ranch herders migrated to the Carolinas and then moved south into Georgia and Florida. They were referred to as crackers. Now, some people think crackers are lazy and shiftless, and a lot of them are. They liked open-range herding, and so the Scotch-Irish did that, brought those skills with them, and also brought their moonshine-making skills. So... The reason they get a bad name sometimes is because of the moonshine making. But the open herding, they could work when they wanted to. They didn't have a 9-to-5 job. They didn't want a 9-to-5 job, and they didn't want to work 12 months out of the year. And so some were considered lazy, but they lived off the land. Everything they ate, they had to grow themselves. And so their diets were limited, but they survived. And so today there's cracker cowmen in Florida that herd cracker cattle. And there's some cracker ponies still out there. The cracker cowmen in Florida, their names derive from the whip that they use that when they throw the whip out it makes a cracking sound. So they're referred to crack as crackers as well.
2: There's a lot of history in this book. It's it's very much a combination of history right. and cooking. Yeah. What what's your um how did you get interested
0: in Florida history in that way? When my son was probably a teenager, late teenager, we all went to breakfast. He had brought a friend, and I brought my friend Lisa. And Lisa's my age, and we're trying to order breakfast. And Lisa says, oh, grits. I don't think I've ever had grits. And I was shocked. And uh, biscuits and sausage gravy. She's like, I don't think I've ever had those either. I go, how could you be born in Florida and not... At least tasted those things, so I started doing research. Well, I ended up going all the way back to the Paleo Indian days, and because I wanted to figure out why people in Florida there's such uh, diverse taste across the state, I wanted to know why you could be in one part of Florida and never have biscuits and grits, and be in another part, and it's a staple, and like sweet tea. Once you start heading south, sweet tea's not on the menu. You start going north, if you go, do you have sweet tea? They're like, well, yeah. You know, it's kind of like, do you have water? So I just wanted to find out more about it. So I started reading and researching. And the first book I did, I actually wanted to do a cracker cookbook. But I ended up doing a book called A Culinary History of Florida. And so that covers Florida from the time of prehistoric man or the first man that stepped onto what is now Florida up until today. But it kind of skims over recent events and um, just loosely covers those but it's really more an in-depth history into why certain products grow in certain areas like and the seafood industry and how that affects the food the Spanish cooking in St. Augustine and the Monorcans and the Daddle peppers and those kinds of things that um, are truly Florida and they're getting lost because it's just like Key Limes in Key West, you, they don't sell them commercially anymore, uh, but we're known for our Key Lime Pie, the state pie of Florida. So I wanted to find out just more of those.
2: So that's an interesting an interesting thought about the history and, and, and looking at the past and everything. So much has changed in Florida, you know, in the last 50 years or so. Obviously, lots of different cultures taken up. You know, South Florida is so heavily Hispanic now, and they bring their own
0: food ways to, to, to the city. How do you define, like, is there, is there a Florida cuisine? Well, in my opinion, it was cracker cuisine because I was limited growing up and all. And uh, because I grew up in Panama City, went to school at Florida State, went back and taught school in Panama City. And so I wasn't exposed to a lot of the other cuisines. And I thought everyone ate like I did. So as I got older, and well, especially when I moved to Tampa, and there's a lot of Spanish uh, dishes that are well-known in Tampa and other areas throughout the state. And so uh, Florida just has a little bit of everything, I think. There's Italian and German. And uh, you go to Miami, and there's a mix of everything from, you know, New York City all the way to the Caribbean, those kinds of flavors there. So... True historic Florida cuisine is cracker cooking. If you ask me, <laughs> let's talk about the cookbook. But tell me about some other recipes in the cookbook that you that you either make at home or that you really like. Okay, one of the things that. I discovered while I was working on the cookbook is there's a pie crust recipe that I've been using for years it's I didn't learn it from my grandmother I use a food processor to make it but it's still just the basic ingredients of butter flour and water and um, so when I started trying to figure out how my grandmother made her dumplings I looked at the ingredients and butter or, or they she used lard lard and shortening and flour so the pie crust has the same ingredients in it as the dumplings did, and they're rolled flat and cut into thin strips. So I use, when I make a pie and I cut the edges off, I use the leftover pie crust to make my dumplings. And we have dumplings every Thanksgiving and Christmas. I thought everyone did. That's another one of those things where, well, if you're in Florida, at least you do, and I found out no one else did. I think that's more of an Alabama thing. Because at Christmas time, one of my cousins sent me a menu from a restaurant at ease. One of the reasons I wanted to do this cookbook, and it's from cabin to condo, is because I tried to make the recipes a little easier than they were back when people were living in cabins. I I never lived in a cabin. My dad did. But my grandmother, his mother, didn't have electricity for a long time, never had a telephone. She didn't want electricity, and it was just fun to go to her house as a kid and this is when everyone around her had electricity. She could have had it, but she was so old-fashioned. I mean, she still wore a bonnet. She still swept her front yard oh, and because she came to stay with us in the city, Panama City. It was a big town. Um and I said, What's Granny doing? She was out there sweeping the driveway. But it was a dirt driveway at the time. We didn't pave it till years later. And my dad said, Well, she's sweeping the yard. I said, Why? He said, That's what she does at home, and she's homesick and she wants to go back to her cabin. And so and then I I still didn't understand the yard sweeping, and then later I found out it's to keep the debris away from the cabin in case of a fire. And um, so they just swept the yard to keep all the dry brush away from the wood cabin before it caught on fire. (laughs) Now, was she a good cook? I remember fig preserves that she made. I was in fourth grade when she passed away. So she made fig preserves that we had, and and homemade butter and biscuits. And those are the only foods that I remember having. And sugar cookies at Granny Granny Maddie is what I call her, at Granny Maddie's house. But my mother would tell me uh, stories about, she said she made the best mother-fried chicken, and my dad loved it, so my mom tried to make it, and it wasn't as good. But one thing my dad said, I don't care what your mother makes, you tell her it's good. <laughs> So my mother went through life thinking she was a wonderful cook, and I love to cook. She hated it. She said, you spend all this time making something, and then in five minutes, it's gone. So talk to me about some more of of the recipes, some of your favorites in the book. Oh, okay, because I got off on the pie crust. Uh, (laughs) But I, I just, it's an easy pie crust, and I love I can use it with the dumplings. But there's a chewy pecan pie in there that I just, I love pecan pie. Um, sweet potato pie. What makes what makes it chewy? Uh, the way that I cook it. I cook it a little bit longer, cook the syrup, and then put the pecans in it and all. So that was that's the only difference there. But the sweet potato pie, a couple of years ago, I had pumpkin pie and sweet potato pie at Thanksgiving. I was trying to cut down on all the dishes because it was just, at that time, me, my husband, my son, and my mother. And so I said, we're going to vote. We're either doing pumpkin or sweet potato. I'm not doing both. And the vote was three to one. For sweet potato pie. So um, it's... Who who was the one? Who was the one? My husband. He still wanted pumpkin pie. Now he loves sweet potato pie. And I made some sweet potato pie for you to taste today. But I made uh, some tiny pies because anytime I do it, sweet potato pie and chess pie are my husband's two favorites. He always wants pie. So I made one for him and one for you. (laughs) But chess pie is so simple to make. And that was one that Granny Maddie made. And That was my Granny Owens, I think. I think they both made it now that I'm thinking about it. Because it's just like sugar, milk, some vinegar, cornmeal. It was whatever they had on hand. Or they they had these ingredients readily available and eggs in there. Um, But biscuits and sausage gravy is just one of my favorite breakfast dishes. And it's on so many restaurant menus now. But nothing's as good as when you make it at home. So I've spoiled my son. Because he goes, these aren't very good. I go, that's because you're used to mine. You know, I'm so good. But the biscuits, um, Gran, uh, Granny, we would go to her house and have biscuits with cane syrup. And I, have you ever tasted mm-hmm. cane syrup? Yeah, it's got a different, unique taste. And my mother didn't like it at all And um, when we were growing up. So we had, like, Mrs. Butterworth's or whatever, you know, pretend maple syrup. And I thought that was – and then I tasted cane syrup. It had so much flavor. And I liked it so much better. Well, so what have you made today? I see okay. some things that you've made. Okay, this is a chess pie. And um, I'm going to, it's the one I was telling you about. Mm-hmm. And this is one of my husband's favorites. It's got kind of a gooey, eggy center. And what I like to do when I bake these pies, I usually put them in the freezer, and then it makes them a lot easier to cut mm-hmm. and get, to get a slice out. I don't know if I'll be able to pull one out nicely.
2: But Isn't know, that always the way with the pie, right? That well, first piece uh, sometimes uh, yeah. can give you some fits there. But I see it now so that it's very eggy custard in yeah. it. And the, the, the crust is, oh, v- is very Oh, I Even thin the crust, and, you just want yeah. to
0: pick it up and eat it just Beautiful. like it is. So that's very simple, basic pie that the pork crackers could serve that like on Sunday dinner. And it wouldn't cost them a lot. And another one was sweet potato pie. And like I said, it's very similar to pumpkin pie. But it's not as as spicy. And it looks a little bit darker, too, to me. Maybe that's just the combination of spices that you use. Combination of brown sugar, too. (laughs) Everything, everything. I mean, crackers had a real sweet tooth, and maybe that's why I felt so at home being a cracker or studying the crackers because... um, Let me pull out this. And then the sweet... See, on the inside, Mm -hmm. it's not quite as dark. But it looks like a pumpkin pie. Mm -hmm. And then this are Maddie's sugar cookies. Maddie was my father's mother and I asked him about some of his favorite memories and he said coming home from school going into the pie safe to see if Maddie or his mother had made some sugar cookies and so I asked my mother the same thing and she said when her mother made sugar cookies she said she would come home from school go look on the stove to see if there was a pot of chocolate sauce, is what she called it, because her mother made sugar cookies and they dipped them in the chocolate sauce. And so that recipe is in the book, because I made it with my mother's help, and she said it tastes just like Granny's, so I was oh, very proud of that. That's a the seal of approval, Well, isn't I know, it? I know. I was very <laughs> happy about that. What, what a neat thing to come home from school, right, and have these oh, homemade cookies and a pot yeah. of chocolate. Mm. Because they didn't have, um, you know, they brought their lunches to school, And it might be a boiled egg. I mean, my dad's family was very, very poor, so it was probably a boiled egg and cornbread. Um, And then my mother's family, whatever was left over. You know, it might be a biscuit or whatever they had for breakfast. So when they came home from school and had something special, especially something sweet, it was really nice. The chest pie, you will know when it's done, when it goes from that lemony color to a dark golden brown and the, the crust starts to rise and once it starts to turn brown, then you're going to know that, um, that the pie should be done. And it's just a real creamy, creamy pie on the inside. So, Janet. It almost it looks like, wow, that's
2: a lot. It almost looks like lemon in a way, but it's not. <laughs> it
0: does. And you're right. It's not. But it's so sweet. Okay, I'm so, going to try the chest so, pie first. So beware.
2: <laughs> Very
0: sweet. Okay. Yes. So tell me again what's in the chest pie, the filling. The chest pie has, it has vanilla, eggs. Sugar, butter, milk, and vinegar, and cornmeal. Did I say cornmeal? Mm-hmm. Yeah, it has a little bit of cornmeal in it, and I don't. The cornmeal, I think, just helps hold it together, but it also has a little flour in it too to help hold it together. That is delicious. I know, and it's so simple. It's so easy to make.
2: It is simple. I mean, it, it the simple ingredients, but yeah. it really has a lot of
0: when you put you a lot of delicious it, yeah.
2: flavor. And I, I can see what you're saying. It's sweet, but it doesn't feel like overly right. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if you the whole pie, well, but if you, it's pretty yeah, darn if good. You eat
0: it, don't eat too much. And then the sweet <laughs> potato pie. The thing about sweet potatoes, those were staples for cracker families. And but the key to a very delicious baked sweet potato is to use a very small sweet potato, the smallest in the batch, and cook it in a very slow oven. And my dad said, uh-huh. do it for like two and a half hours. I bet that was yeah, good. That was really so good. So tell me again about this cookie. Okay, that's a sugar cookie um, similar to the ones my Granny Maddie made, and also my Granny Owens. One's from North Florida, one's from Alabama. Uh, but my Granny Maddie most likely used cane syrup to sweeten her cookies when she didn't have sugar. Because um, sugars, a lot of times they didn't have sugar, and even my Granny Owens may have done the same thing, because my mother said, yeah, you can see it here on the bottom of the cane syrup bottle, the sugar. And so she said once the cane syrup was down, they would scrape the sugar from the bottom of the can and use that in their recipes. And so I haven't made the cookies using the sugar from the bottom of the cane yeah, syrup. So it's, yeah, it all but, settles um, down there, the yeah. sugar. You see the, the amber-colored syrup. And they had it in, in big cans, and so it was easy to go in and scrape the sugar from the bottom of the can. So they used everything they could. Very resourceful. Yeah, they That's were. That
2: probably typifies... That kind of cookie, too, well, right? You're using was, yeah. everything.
0: Yeah, and that's why, I like, the chess pie, you know, they used what they had on hand, the basic ingredients, and came up with something flavorful.
2: Well, that cookie is delicious, well, too. It has very – again, it's, it's very simple, and you've got those little – Um, I just put
0: some little sprinkles of sugar. You put a cup or a glass. Um,
2: That's a really simple cookie, too, but, again, a lot of flavor to it.
0: Oh, yeah. And it's it's the same thing. It's one of the most simple recipes in the book. The hardest part is standing there rolling it into little balls before you flatten it. I mean, that's the most time-consuming. But one of the reasons Granny's food tasted so, to me, better, different. Different, I guess, is a better word. Uh, Because, you know, they did, like make their own butter, turn their own butter. Uh, back then, they uh, uh, slaughtered their own hogs, so the meat tasted different. And because they slopped the hogs, they didn't corn feed them. So it was a whole different flavor, but it was good. And like they had chickens running around out back, and if you were going to have chicken that night, Granny would go out there and get the chicken. <laughs> Took a while, but I'm so glad that I was old enough to see what they were doing. Well, and that was another reason why I wanted to do this research and write these books is I want our son to know why he likes the things he likes And why they taste different. And when you go to different parts of Florida or different parts of the states, things taste different. But he will never have what I had growing up. He will never be able to go to a house with no electricity. And people are still living there. And where in the wintertime, Granny put so many quilts on you, you're like, you know, hiding them under the bed. When she (laughs) walk out of the room because you get so hot, but she didn't want you to get cold. You could see the ground underneath, the slats in the floor. And we had fun going there. That um, wasn't really that long ago. I know. I'm not that old. No, thank right. you. No, it, really <laughs> no, it wasn't, wasn't that long ago. It wasn't, ago. yeah. Because it was like in the 1960s huh. when we were going up there. And uh, even in the 70s, you could find remnants of it. So, And you can still today. I mean, you can still go places and... I think most people probably have electricity, but I'm sure there's a few out there that don't. <laughs> I really
2: appreciate you taking the time and talking to us about the book. and uh, Oh, my giving pleasure. Some taste. I have to have another taste of this pie before oh, I go. But... Oh, I don't blame you. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you, Joy, very much. Thanks, for Janet. For spending the time with me.
0: Certainly.
1: That was Janet Keeler speaking to cookbook author Joy Harris. You'll find Joy's recipes for sweet potato pie and for Granny Sheffield's chest pie on our website, thezestpodcast.com. Thanks so much for listening. Subscribe to The Zest. It's free and it's easy. And if you like what you hear, give us a rating on iTunes. I'm Robin Sessingham. D'Elia Colon and I produce The Zest with help from Cheyenne Jack Lau, Megan Tremble, and Mark Hayes. The Zest is a production of WUSF Public Media.
2: Copyright 2020, WUSF Public Media, University of South Florida.